I think the what what God's really really laid on my heart for you guys is, um, you know, how how blessed are we to know that God loves us and to know that the cross was a success and to know that we are a forgiven people, right? I mean, how how blessed are we to be in a church that understands the gospel, that preaches the gospel? to where you and I, we can have a clear picture of who God is and how he feels about us, right? How I many know oh, that is an awesome thing? And, and I just want to encourage you in that because, how I many you know, as a person that, that goes to a church like that and a person understands that, how I many you know you're the minority of the minority, right? Because, I mean, as, as Christians, how I many you know we're the minority? We are the minority as Christians. How I many know most people are not believers, right? And then so, as Believers that understand the gospel, we are the minority of that minority. And so I say all that to say this, how, how highly favored are you by God that he would show you who he truly is? That he would show you that the cross was a success, that he would show you that he loves you, amen? And, and because there, there's nothing more wonderful than knowing that the creator of the universe loves you. Right? How many know that love will change you? And 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 the and the reality is, <clears throat> how many know that that um, you need to hear it regularly because you live in a world that doesn't love you, right? And how many know we we live in a world where we're constantly measured by the way we look, by how much money we have, what kind of clothes we have on, what how much education we have, blah 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 blah. How many of this world's always measuring? And I mean, sometimes it can even be worse in Christianity, measuring and comparing and all of these things. And so this world can leave us in a place of not feeling like we're good enough and not feeling like we measure up. And, but then when you hear the message of the gospel, how I many of oh, the gospel comes in, just like a moment ago when I was preaching the gospel, how I many of oh, we were all being ministered to while I was preaching that? And I dare say, if I gave everyone a test in here, does God love you, yes or no, you'd click yes. Are my, are, are my sins fully forgiven, you'd click yes. You could answer the questions on the test, but how many know that the head knowledge of that is not what transforms you and changes your life? The experience of that, the regular experience of the love of God is what changes you. And, and sometimes we can get so caught up on the fact that we know it that we're not experiencing it in our daily lives. See, like my, my wife, you know, I need to tell her that I love her regularly. Like I don't need to just tell her I love her one time. I mean, you know, she needs a fresh I love you from me regularly, right? Because I mean, you know, this world's always trying to, to make, make people feel like they don't measure up. They need a fresh I love you. I mean, you know, my son needs a fresh I love you from me. My children need a fresh I love you, a fresh one, one that means something, right? And so we, as the children of God, in a world that doesn't like us, is against us. How many other worlds has grown progressively anti-Christ? I mean, they clearly have an agenda. They're, tr- they're clearly trying to take out God's glory. Don't be nervous. It's always been this way. Amen? God's not scared. God's not worried. God's just setting the stage so he can flex. Uh, he's been doing it for thousands of years. Have you noticed? 
Like he, how many of you know God loves the underdog story, right? Over and over in Scripture, we see it. Everything's bad. Everything's bad. They're against the people of God. What's going to happen? God's going to come and rescue everyone, right? And, and, and how many you know, every book, every story in here is basically that premise, right? So how many know it's no different in the day and age that you're living in? How many know God's about to rescue America? Amen. God's about to rescue. God's about to come in and show that he's stronger than the powers that be. He is. He is. So don't get nervous. You know what I'm saying? Don't get afraid. Don't look at the wind and the waves. Just relax and, and enjoy the ride. Amen? Enjoy the ride because, like, how many of you know when the disciples were in the boat and they were going to the other side, had they been aware of the presence and love of Jesus, they could have enjoyed the ride in the midst of the storm. But the storm caused them to question whether Jesus loved them or not. But how many know that Jesus clearly loved them? But because they got their eyes on the wind and the waves and the circumstances, they began to doubt whether the Lord cared about them. Right? But they could have enjoyed the ride. Because you're not promised a life without storm. You're not promised a life without tribulation and challenges and trials. But you are promised the ability to have peace in the midst of those so that you can go to the other side with an awareness of God's love and the awareness of his presence for you, right? Because check it out, you're going to the other side. But my thoughts are like, I want to enjoy the ride. Can I get an amen for enjoying the ride? You know what I'm saying? Like, have you read the end of the book, right? How many know we win? Right? So, like, we can either enjoy the ride and go to the other side, or we can be wigged out and go to the other side. I don't want to be of those that are wigged out. I want to enjoy the ride. And, and the way that you enjoy the ride is you receive a regular, fresh I love you from Jesus on a regular basis. You come to the house of God. You let the bread be broken. You feast on Jesus Christ. You feast on his love for you. And then you take your relationship with God a step further, and you learn how to break the bread sitting in your car by yourself. And you learn how to get the I love you from the Lord early in the morning and get the I love you from God late at night and get the I love. How many of God's frequency is I love you? He's always saying, I love you. And many, many times we're like, well, I'm so disappointed in myself. I said that. I thought that. I did that. I, 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 me, myself, and I. <laughs> How many of you know, the more focused you are on yourself, the more miserable you're going to be. You know how to get free? Stop thinking about yourself. Seriously, well, how do I do that? Don't think about myself. Don't think about myself. Don't think about myself. Don't think I I can't I I can't I don't I don't I don't think about myself. I don't no. <laughs> Self-focus is not how we do it. What, what do you do? How many know even as I was preaching the gospel earlier, how many know I was taking the beauty and loveliness of Jesus and just putting him on display? 
And as you remembered that he loved you, as you remembered that you were forgiven, as, you, as that condemnation started just floating off of your mind and off of your thoughts, as you believed and heard the word of God, how I many you know for, for a little bit of time you became not self-focused and your heart began to be filled with peace afresh and anew? How I many you know we are called to keep our eyes on him in the day and age that we're living in? What does that look like in a practical sense? Because people say that all the time. Well, let's hear the practical sense. The practical sense is you've got to keep hearing the gospel and hearing the I love you's from God so that you don't get self-focused and think about yourself. Because how many of legalism teaches us to be self-focused? What have I done to deserve God? Or what have I done to be rejected by God? How many know that you're, if you focus on your bad things, it'll get your attention and your focus off of God? If you focus on your good things, it'll get your attention and your focus off of God. I mean, you don't want to focus on the good things that you do, and you don't want to focus on the bad things that you do. Stay even killed and just be thankful and enjoy Jesus and his amazing grace and the fact that God loves you apart from your behavior. I mean, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. I tell my kids that all the time. All the time. Because I don't want any of my love for them to be based on any of their performance. Because everywhere else they go, they're demanded to perform. Got to look pretty. Got to lose weight. Got to be smart. Got to do well in sports. Got to be artistic. Got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to, got to. We live in a world that's filled with performance. God's kingdom is not filled with performance in the sense that you are earning his love or earning his blessing or earning his favor. How many know it's all free? God just says, come on, come get it. It's yours, right? And so in order to enjoy the ride, we have to learn how to receive that love afresh and anew and not just a head knowledge. See, that's the danger of being in a church that's been preaching grace for years. Well, I'm a grace person. What are you talking about? I know that. Clark Witten started this church. Don't you know that? That we are, we are absolved from condemnation in this church. The enemy cannot condemn us. We walk in and we are the grace people. And then you know the enemy will use that to condemn you for feeling condemnation? Like He'd be like, oh, look at you, condemned. And you go to a grace church. You go to grace church Orlando. So like clearly you're not getting it. Everyone else is getting it, but you're not. And so he'll condemn you for you allowing yourself to condemn you. How I many of you don't play fair? See, you never reach a moment in your life when you're absolved from the enemy's attack. His primary attack is he's going to accuse you. He's, how many of you, he's the accuser of the brethren. And he's going to make you self-focused and going to try to condemn you because when your heart condemns you, you will not have confidence towards God. How many, know we, how many know believers can be in a state of spiritual heart attack? I'm talking about your own heart attacking you. Well, the reason that you didn't receive your healing is because you, 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 you. Well, the reason that you didn't receive your financial breakthrough is you, 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 you. Well, the reason that that relationship messed up, you, 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 you. Look, folks, there's nobody in this room that measures up. How I many everybody here, how I many we all make mistakes? And, and Jesus never promised you a perfect obedience on the other side of being born again. 
You know, and, and we're wrong if we think that or we're trying to polish up this flesh and make it perfect. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days when you, when, you, when you are just experiencing and walking in wonderful things. And then you're going to have days when you're in Orlando traffic. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thought I lost my salvation. <laughs> Dang, man. I was talking to Matt and we were, I, was like, I was like, yeah, man. Uh, I'm like three minutes, I'm like three miles away, and it's like, it says it's six hours. Is there something wrong with my GPS? And he's like, no, that's accurate, man. You're in rush hour traffic, buddy. I hope you're having a good time. <laughs> and like, woo, I mean, wow. You know, I mean, it's like two feet stop, two feet stop, two feet stop. And you know, y'all are in the south. Y'all supposed to chill and be chilled out down here. Some of y'all are driving aggressive. There's some aggressive driving going on. I mean, I had some, some grandmas tell me I was number one, you know. <laughs> Blessing me in the name of the Lord, you know, and I'm just like, because we're like, we're on a father's son. We're just enjoying ourselves. We're like, do-do-do, Orlando, palm branches. It's so beautiful. And everybody's like, get out of the way, you know, and it's like, I mean, people beeping at me, and I don't even know why they're beeping at me. Just beeping at me, and I'm like, hello, I'm from Kentucky. You know, it's so <laughs> you may have moments. Like some of y'all are probably like, that's that guy we flipped off yesterday. I did not know he was the special speaker. Let's just keep a low profile so he don't see us. <laughs> you know, I was that grandma, and you were going too slow. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. But how many know that like we have these moments where our behavior is not great? Right? And um and that and but it does not disqualify us from his love. And it doesn't it even doesn't disqualify us for his blessing. Now, please understand this. And I'm not I'm not saying that if you do dumb stuff, you will get dumb results. God will rescue you. But how many know sin kills? It's important to understand that. I'm not saying there's no reaper. I'm not saying there's not repercussion for your actions. When you make a mistake, how many know God's not punishing you because God already condemned sin on the body of Jesus Christ? Can I get an amen? But you know what? If I leave this place today and I peel out of the driveway and I head down going like 120 miles an hour, how many know I'm forgiven? Everybody like, we do that every Sunday. What are you talking about? <laughs> like isn't that what we all do? It's Orlando Drag Race Church, you know. No. But if I do that, how many know that God loves me? How many I'm forgiven? How many I'm about to get a ticket? And I might hurt myself or those around me. And might go to heaven a little quicker than what I was supposed to. So I'm not saying that there's no responsibility for our behavior. How many of sin is a killer? Right? So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is the punishment for sin comes from sin. It doesn't come from God. How many know you make your bed in hell and God will be there? At no point is God going to leave you or forsake you, right? And you're not defined by your behavior, right? And so we have to receive the fresh I love you from God on a regular basis to keep that condemnation out. And just because you go to a grace church doesn't mean the enemy's not going to try to condemn you. Listen, it's all he's got. He doesn't have anything else. How I many know oh, 2,000 years ago he lost? 
Like the game is basically over. This is a this is a this is a victory lap. All uh, the past two thousand years has been a victory lap. So like his game is over. He lost, but he's trying to make as many people miserable as he can. And if you are a Christian, if you're a believer, and you think God is mad at you or against you or holding sin over you or against you, you're going to be miserable while you come to Grace Orlando Church. You tracking me here? And so you and I, all of us, we need that fresh, I love you from God. Because here's the thing, the memory of pizza has never fed you. Right? Y'all got some great food down here, man. You really do. Y'all are blessed. But like, the memory, you can remember your favorite slice of pizza. You know, you can remember your favorite brisket or hamburger or whatever. So, Jeremiah, you're, you're shutting your time down. You better shut up, brother. It's lunchtime. But like, the memory of it doesn't feed you. I mean, you know, the memory of the gospel doesn't change you. No, you need a fresh, you need a fresh encounter with, with the one who loves you because love will change you. Love will transform you. And man, if you can stay under that fountain of love, it'll transform you and change you, and the real you will come forth. You know, the person that you truly are is awesome. The person that you truly are looks like Jesus. The person that you truly are is love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, patience, temperance. That's who you are. How many of you one-third of you is completely redeemed. How I many of your spirit is totally righteous, totally holy, totally one with the Lord, right? And how I many you know right now we're bringing redemption to our minds by hearing the word of God? Your mind is being washed. God's trying to convince you of who you actually already are in your spirit. And as the love of God comes forth, the true you comes forth, and you get set free from the thing that has held you back your entire life, you. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, once again, how many of the enemies lost? Game over for him. But, like, God wants us to be set free from ourselves. What does that look like? Well, just like the, 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 the scripture that the young lady spoke earlier. How many of God loves you first? I'm sure y'all are well taught on that here. How many of God, the love, we've been talking about this. How many of the love of God comes to you first, right? God loves you first. But then that love keeps coming to you and coming to you and coming to you. It's taken God a long time to convince me that I was worth loving. I'll be real honest with you. Like I, I grew up in a very, you know, emotionally abusive home. My mom was, a, was an alcoholic and, and an abusive, emotionally abusive alcoholic. My dad was a drug addict alcoholic. Parents were divorced when I was five. We were poor. Like my background and then I had this chip on my shoulder towards authority. I had no, I had nothing to trust in. And so I just started partying, and that became my identity. And I was just a partier, and that's what I, that, that would become. I mean, everyone's searching for something that they, they think can make them feel okay about themselves. For some, it might be education. For some, it might be money, might be job, whatever. But this, I created this persona of this party guy, and that's what I put my trust in. And I got addicted to drugs and, and addicted to, to pornography and sex and addicted and just messed up and made 
truckloads of mistakes. And if anyone in here has ever been involved in, in addiction, how I many you know it turns you into an animal? And it makes you do something that you never really wanted to do. And so I spent years of shaming myself. Okay? And so when I got born again, I still carried all that back here in my head. And what, I, what had happened to me is I developed a hatred of myself. And how I many know legalism will actually make you hate yourself more? Because it makes you compare yourself with other people. And you think, well, that guy's awesome, but I'm not. And, and what, what legalism does is it makes us compare ourselves to other people, and then it also deifies the person on the stage and makes them the hero. And how many of you, as I'm standing before you today, how many know that, that, once again, there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else? How many of you, all of us equally need Jesus? Amen? And so there's no reason to deify anybody. And there's also, but legalism, it produces this, this vicious cycle of self-focus and self-hatred. And so I took all of that hatred of myself from those years of mistakes that I had made, and then I got into legalism, and now I'm trying really hard to please the pastor. I'm trying really hard to please everybody. How I many old man-pleasing will kill you? Let me tell you something. <laughs> God is pleased with you whether the people around you are or not. Amen. How I many of the fear of man is a snare? Drop that little rope off your leg. God loves you, and God's pleased with you on your good days and on your bad days. That's one of the greatest freedoms you can ever have is getting set free from what people think about you. Come on. People, you, know, you know what everybody's thinking about? They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the conundrum of human nature, right? But God, like, he wants to set us free from that. So anyway, I had developed this sense of hatred towards myself. And man, and anybody ever tried to restore, like, a, something that's old? like it has old chipped paint on it or something like that. I can remember I was trying to restore this porch for somebody one time, and this porch was nasty looking. But, man, when I went out there with the pressure washer, and if I would just keep that pressure washer, I, and I started pulling back all those years of, of just dirt and grime and neglect, and underneath all that was this beautiful porch. And I restored this porch, and once I got done, it was absolutely beautiful. And, but it took time and it took pressurized washing to get that dirt and grime off. And I'm here to tell you right now that, that many of us, that we've developed a sense of self-loathing and hatred towards ourselves. And God does not want you to walk around living like that. God wants to pressure wash all of that out of your mind and out of your thoughts. Because listen to me, you cannot love someone effectively if you don't love yourself. It's kind of the way everything works. How I many you know you can't give what you haven't first received? How I many the golden, you know, the golden rule, treat your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you hate yourself, then it's going to be hard for you to treat your neighbor well. And in fact, when you're treating your neighbor well, you're just trying to get God to love you which makes the whole experience very selfish. And so God wants to take this beautiful gospel, this fresh I love you from him, and pressure wash your mind to the point to where I stand before you today, I don't hate myself at all anymore. I actually love myself. 
Not because, I'm, not because of anything I've done, but because I know he loves me, right? And so now, like, in the ba- I'm not carrying that self-loathing. How I many you know if you self-loathe and hate yourself, you'll sabotage yourself? Like an opportunity opens up and a doorway opens up, and you'll mess it up because you don't think you're worth it. And it might be like a job opportunity. It might be a relationship because in the back of your mind, you're carrying something. Called, it's like a condemnation cancer that tries to kill every good thing in your life. And see, I had known the gospel for years. I had even written books, and I still carried that. Because, But how many know if we can just keep allowing the washing of the water of the word and the love of God to keep coming, how many know there comes a breaking point when we we stop hating ourselves and we start to love ourselves the way God loves us? Amen. God has that for you. I would never want my children to hate themselves. I would never want my children to feel like they weren't worthy of what's in my home or what's in my life. How many of you know we all take a look at that and think, well, yeah, that's twisted. We would never want that. But how many of you know many of us, we walk around like that with God? And it's not on God's end. It's because of the things, maybe the mistakes that we made and what we've been taught. And so just because we have a head knowledge of the gospel doesn't mean that our porch has been totally pressure washed. So don't get bored intellectually with the gospel because it's not an intellectual experience. You know how I many I can I can I can tell somebody how to hug somebody. Hold your arms at a 45 degree angle. Come in close. Once you get there, make contact and pull in. How I many know that I, you could logistically write out what a hug looks like, but how I many know knowledge of a hug and experience of a hug are two different things? And I really feel like there's some people in here that the enemy has condemned you because you've experienced condemnation, because you may have come from a certain family, or you may have been going to this church, or whatever. And how I many afresh and anew, we're going to kick the enemy out. Afresh and anew, we're going to condemn any tongue of judgment that would try to rise against us. How I many you know you no longer have a right to condemn yourself? You've actually lost the right to judge yourself. Would you judge Jesus unworthy? Okay. Is there anything dirty in Jesus? Is there anything twisted in Jesus? Where are you? Amen. So stop being stop tearing yourself down. Stop attacking yourself. Cuz see the enemy don't attack you from the third person. He attacks you from the first person. He uses your voice to condemn you. So you may be nice to people outwardly, but inwardly you're, you're tearing yourself to pieces. The love of God has not been able to make its full course yet. God wants to keep that love flowing to you until you finally start loving yourself. Can I get an amen? And then, how I many you know that love's got to get to this place where it starts coming through you? That's what changes your marriage. That's what changes your children. That's what changes your church. That's what changes your community because out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's what transforms the culture of a church. That's what transforms the culture of a city because God's not going to pour liquid love out of heaven just on the ground. God has, he pours liquid love out of, into you and out of you. How I many know oh, you are loved, Right? Now, if he can convince you that you're forgiven and convince you that you're loved, all of a sudden the floodgates of your own heart can open up. And you can start 
to make a difference in your community and in your family because can't nothing stop the love of God. It's so powerful. Like it's more powerful than, 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 than facts. It's more powerful than, than intellectualism. It's more powerful than the enemy's agenda. When someone just experiences love through you. Did y'all hear that testimony of that, with that head priest that was in South Africa uh, here recently? And he was in, there was, they, were, they were interviewing him. They were having some kind of like thing where they had Christians there and other people there. And he was arguing his point and attacking the Christians. And one lady just came up to him and hugged him with the love. And he awoke, laid it all down, stepped down from the church, and became a Christian. How many know that it's that love that transforms? This means I need to hurry. That's basically what that means. That means we are hungry. We are sending in the reserves. We're going to play the keys. I'm sorry to call you. <laughs> They're like, he needs help. Send him up. We're hungry. <laughs> play the keys. He'll shut up. Preachers know when the music starts that we quit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm kidding, but we all know it's true, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> but I have a point to make. But like... How many of y'all want to change your city? What a wonderful opportunity you have being here. Because, like, everybody comes here. Like, this is the place where everybody comes. And so, like, receiving that love, removing any type of self-hatred, enjoying that love, feeding afresh and anew on the bread of life, but then getting yourself to a place of overflow Because how many know that Christianity is not a spectator sport? It's so easy to sit down and watch the guy do the stuff. Do the stuff. You know, I drink the coffee, you do the stuff. And that's cool. That's good. There's nothing wrong with coming to the house of God and and, and receiving. How many of us, what we do, we break the bread of life. But how many know that this is 1% of ministry? 99% of ministries out there in the grocery store, in the gas station. You don't change a city by coming to church. You come to church to get the fresh I love you deposited in you. But like, I mean, there's people that you probably see at a gas station regularly. Anybody go to the same gas station regularly? Same Starbucks, same grocery store. Just one person. The rest of y'all go to a different place every day. Okay, what gas station are we going to? Well, this one is, you know, it's two miles away, which means it's six hours away. And just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Joy of the Lord's our strength. Amen. But like, you meet people that need the love in you, right? Come on, man. Ministry is not a spectator sport. Like, we come to church to get empowered so that we can minister. We need to love on people. How many of you in a world full of mean people, kindness is revolutionary? I'm not talking about pelting people with scriptures and tracts. I'm talking about being kind to people, getting the door for somebody. God lays on your heart to take care of somebody's meal or get groceries for somebody or call somebody up and pray for them or encourage somebody who's at a cash register and who's having a hard day. How many of the aroma and the love of Jesus just needs to flow out of you? And listen to me, when you start doing that, you start to be happy because you're living for something other than yourself. 
If you are the primary thing on your radar and you are your primary motivation, no amount of taking will ever make you happy. No amount of parking spaces, no amount of cheap gas, no amount of good meals, no amount of real estate, no amount of things can satisfy you. You know what will make you happy? Jesus said, happy are you if you do these things. How many know we're called to serve one another in love? And you're not just serving in church, you're serving in your community. How many know you could serve your spouse? Not, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. I mean, that's a debt-based relationship. No, no, no. The love of God removes all debts and all owing. Said, I'm going to be kind to you because God was kind to me. I'm going to be good to you because God was good to me. And how I many all of a sudden we start flowing out? And then in the church, like, I mean, you guys already have a great culture here. There's just a sense of kindness and there's a sense of love. And then we carry that out into this love starved world who are so afraid and so angry in the midst of their rage and their anger. We don't argue with them about what they believe. We take our cup that's filled with love and we pour a little bit in their cup and they're stunned and they don't know what to do and they move back but they want what we have they don't want our church they don't want they don't want all the stuff they think is religion but they want to be loved they want to be valued and then we pour a little bit more in here and then we pour a little bit more and every day when you go to that gas station pour a little bit in that person's cup or when you go to the store pour and then as you start pouring how many on the kingdom as you start giving it starts multiplying and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and the next thing you know you're in this river of love and your life is exciting And your life is fun because you're taking the love that was given to you and you're pouring it out into other people's lives. And you know what you're doing? You're running fear out of your town. Amen. And it's fun and it's exciting. But it all, but don't do it trying to get God to love you. Don't do it to try to get God to bless you. That's the wrong. If you do that, you're going to be miserable. Because you're going to be an empty cup clanging with other empty cups. No, no. You come to church. You come to the house of God. You hear the word. You let love be poured into you. You learn how to get the fresh I love you from God sitting in your car on your break. And you hear the love and you hear the love and you hear the love. And then you just start pouring it and pouring it and pouring it and pouring it. And then it changes things. And it's awesome. I had a buddy struggling with alcoholism come up to me, man. I went to high school with him, used to party with him, and he didn't know how to get free. And man, he, he, did, he just reached out to me, and I got to go over and to pray with him, and he's been set free, and now he's coming to our church and our Bible studies. My neighbor, who, who just has been totally just a godless individual and under extreme condemnation, two weeks ago came up, knocked on, I, all I did was I paid for his wife's haircut when we were out. I saw her out, and down here is just love of God, paid for her haircut. He came up to me, he knocked on my door, and he said, Will you take some time to tell me about God? One small little thing, that little pang of a haircut, opened the doorway into a man's heart. How many of you know love creates its own ministry? Love people. And don't wait to see if they're qualified to be loved. Well, are you a good enough person? How many of you know that all have fallen short? Every single person out there needs the love of God. And there's nothing that they can do to disqualify themselves from that love. Let the love flow. How many of you God will take care of the sanctifying? God will take care of the changing. How many of the love of God changes people? I'm not saying you agree with things that are wrong. You hold your standard of what's right. But 
We love people even in the midst of their mistakes, even in the midst of their sin. And as that flows out of you, man, it changes you. Because you know what starts to happen to you? You start to get set free from yourself. Because love's the only thing that does that. You're not self-conscious. You're living for something other than yourself. Y'all tracking me here this morning? So keep hearing the love of God, amen? And don't just hear it, start to give it. And I know at first it's a little scary, but it, it, it's not this thing that we drum up. It's a very natural thing to just care for people. It's, you don't have to, 45 degree angle, come in, hug. It's not like that. It's just so much funner like this too. Amen. Cool. Lord, I just thank you and praise you for these wonderful people. And Lord, time, there's nothing more valuable than time. And Father, I just, I just thank you that, Lord, we just, we, we condemn the condemner. The enemy's been trying to bring in condemnation, and we take authority over that. And Lord, I just, I thank you that you give them the power and the strength to, out of their own mouth, condemn any voice of condemnation, any tongue of judgment that would rise up against them. And they just receive love. Just receive it. Just to receive the love of God afresh and anew. And I thank you, Lord, that they also start to let that love flow. And when they don't let that love flow, and when they're mad, and they're in traffic, and they're angry, they also realize that they're not, they're not left out of your love, that you love them even when they're carnal, even when they're making mistakes. Your love's so big, it just conquers everything. Lord, we just thank you for that. We receive that. And so I, I don't really know how you guys do things here, but what, what I would like to do with, with, with everyone's permission, I'm, I'm done. But, like, if anybody needs prayer, I'd just like to make myself available if you need prayer. And, I mean, I think, you know, like the service would be done or whatever, but if someone needs prayer, I would love to pray for them, you know, if that's okay. Just because, like, you don't know me, I don't know you. And um, and so if God gives me something for you, you know it didn't come from me because I don't know you. And um, and so, I don't know, I just, I, I, preaching is awesome and ministry is awesome, but I'd also like to pray for people. If people would like to pr- would like prayer. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we, we can probably, di- you know, dismiss and do all the things that we need to do, but I'm, I'm up here if you need prayer because I care about you. Amen. So anyway, God bless you all. Thank you for your time. Amen.